Daniel chapter 10. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belteshazzar. And the word was true, and it was a great conflict. And he understood the word and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks. On the twenty-fourth day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, that is, the Tigris, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen, with a belt of fine gold from Uphaz around his waist. His body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude." And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. For the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great trembling fell upon them, and they fled to hide themselves. So I was left alone and saw this great vision, and no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed, and I retained no strength. Then I heard the sound of his words, and as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in deep sleep with my face to the ground. And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright. For now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day, that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard. And I have come because of your words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. For I was left there with the king of Persia and came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days. For the vision is for days yet to come. When he had spoken to me according to these words, I turned my face toward the ground and was mute. And behold, one in the likeness of the children of man touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke. I said to him who stood before me, O oh my Lord, by reason of the vision, pains have come upon me and I retain no strength. How can my Lord's servant talk with my Lord? For now, no strength remains in me, and no breath is left in me. Again, one having the appearance of a man touched me and strengthened me, and he said, O man, greatly loved, fear not, peace be with you, be strong and of good courage. And as he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Then he said, do you know why I have come to you? But now I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. There is none who contends by my side ex against these except Michael, your prince. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, joined today by the illustrious, well-respected, <laughs> well-loved Jason Byers. 
Um, and we have here a very easy and self-explanatory <laughs> passage that really demands no scrutiny. Um, Daniel 10, uh, the ESV aptly uh, titles this Daniel's terrifying vision of a man. <laughs> and it certainly sounds terrifying and it's very intense. You know, Daniel is out on the bank of the Tigris with some of his compadres and all of a sudden he alone encounters this terrifying vision. But even, you know, I, I guess there was a spiritual weight or something that even set the men who are with him trembling mm. though they couldn't see it. So buyers, what are your, what are your thoughts, your knee jerk reactions? <laughs> the people are dying to know. I'm sure. Uh, you know, when I read this the first time, I was like, I got to know what Jason Byers thinks about this oh, passage. Man. I would love to know what I think about this as well. <laughs> um, well, before I share my thoughts on the passage, I've, I feel like I ought to tell you um, how much I appreciate what you do with this ministry. Oh, thank um, you. The sincerity and thoughtfulness and, and um, transparency you bring to this day in and day out, the, those that you invite to participate in this with you um, certainly know how hard you work to make this um, a podcast that is certainly edifying for our members, glorifying to the Lord. And so Thank I just you. want to tell you how Thank much you. I appreciate it. And I sure, I'm sure I speak to, for everybody that's listening. And if you cut this out, then we'll have to have a talk later. <laughs> but uh, just know how grateful <laughs> I am. And, I'll count out everything except for that. <laughs> no, no, you do a great work Thank here you. and it's Thank a delight um, to see you using the gifts that God's given you in such a profound that. way. So thank you for doing that. it. So back to Daniel 10. Um, you know, I think uh, in many ways, I think we can read this as a setup for chapter 11. Yep. Because we're told in the very last paragraph that um, there's something else that this, um, I think this is an angel that has appeared mm-hmm. uh, to Daniel. And we're told that he's going to explain some things about, about the end of days in uh, the text that is to come. And so we read this, I think, in part as a setup for what's coming next. Mm-hmm. Um, things that I notice that just jump out at me that may be worth unpacking a little bit. It's This makes clear, lest there be any doubt, that there is, there is, uh, without doubt, a spiritual realm yep. within which there yep. is serious warfare yep. that is going on. Um I think we see here in the response you mentioned of, of Daniel's compatriots here, they don't see the man, the angel that Daniel sees, but nonetheless, they can tell something's going on. Yep. Um, but we do see Daniel's reaction to this, and he's he's brought to the ground. Yeah. Um, and so I think this is this tells us a bit about how even the greatest of men cannot withstand, cannot bear the full revelation of mm-hmm. divine glory. Yeah. There's just, truly. on the other side of that, I also consider that Bible tells us that one day we will rule over the angels. Mm. So yeah, the scene that we see where Daniel is brought to his knees to, and his face to the ground at the appearance of this divine being one day, mankind will rule over such beings. So this should tell us a little bit of something about the, completeness of the glorification of our bodies and God's design and intentions for man that we go from being in utter awe of such creatures to one day ruling over them. I think that, you know, that should stir us to, mm-hmm. to something. Yeah. Sure. I mean, that is 
you know, there there's many sort of New Testament moments that point to that. Uh first Corinthians six three or yeah, sorry, six three talks about, you know, Paul says, Do you not know that we are to judge angels? Yeah. Um and I I'm so glad you said that. I would not have even thought of that connection. Um, but that is a very interesting subversion. And it is so interesting. I mean, we don't have to go deep into this, but we before we started recording, we were talking about theophany, which mm-hmm. is sort of some moments like this throughout scripture, people, and maybe you've been taught this about this passage or about um, Jacob wrestling with God. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically theophany is these ideas of when a man of God or some, or a messenger of God appears or the person, the fourth person walking through the furnace with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, mm-hmm. that that is Jesus. Mm-hmm. And it's a very interesting sort of field. I've not pressed into it deeply, but I would agree with you. Um, there's nothing that screams to me in this passage that this is Jesus Christ himself, God incarnate himself. It's not an entirely unreasonable No, it's not. I interpretation. It's not a heresy. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I think to me, one of the things that would push back against that is uh, he's talking about waging war against mm-hmm. the king of Persia. And it's it's a really funny way of framing this whole interaction because at the end he's like, well, got to go back to Persia. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, waging war over there. There are angels that are fighting on behalf of Persia in the spiritual realm Absolutely. in the same way. But yeah, it's, um, yeah. And, and so that to me is more of a hint of this is sort of, you know, God is referred to as the Lord of hosts, the God of heaven's armies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this seems to be more of an angel who would be like a commander in those armies who needs the help of Michael. Exactly. Yeah. If it were, Jesus. If it yeah. Were Jesus, he wouldn't, I don't, totally. we shouldn't expect him to need help. Totally. Um, so, so but to press into that, I'm sure that everyone is deeply moved by <laughs> my conclusion that this is not theophany. But to move past that, the, I think of uh, the story of Elisha hmm. when you know they're they're out in the wilderness. He's he's kind of with his little intern assistant, mm-hmm. which you and I recorded. Podcast we did record about. that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Man, what a Holy Spirit moment. Yeah. So, an amazing story. I love this story. Yeah where they come out and the whole army of Syria yeah. is coming at them, the whole army of Syria. And the servant is understandably very alarmed. And then Elisha prays, Lord, open his eyes. Mm-hmm. And basically his eyes are open to see these chariots of fire, mm-hmm. uh, you know, surrounding the battlefield, surrounding the mountains. Yeah. And Elisha says, those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And so I do think one thing we can take out of Daniel 10 is this awareness of, you know, spiritual warfare of, you know, this, it's not just uh, you and your humble Jesus. And, and, but like the structure of the universe, we believe through a biblical lens is actually a lot more complex than all the dealings of earth and then just God. Yeah. But there's actually this whole spiritual structure. There's these, you know, cosmic sort of powers and authorities mm. uh, that are mentioned in the old Testament and the new Testament. And that changes how we should, you know, interact with circumstance. And one thing that, that leads to that's really powerful. That's obviously an alarming thought, the idea of these grave spiritual powers 
But the way that this angel addresses Daniel is, oh man, greatly loved. Mm -hmm. That Daniel's faithfulness to God and that the way he is abided in God, even in great terror in this moment, that the love of God is overshadowing him. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if you had any thoughts on that or on anything else. I do love that. I, I he speaks to him. He calls him man greatly loved. Um, but then in verses twelve through fourteen, I do notice that his purposes aren't immediately realized. This angelic mm -hmm. being, there is a delay. Mm -hmm. And I wonder, as as Daniel is mourning, he's mourning, he's fasting, he's mourning, presumably. Um, on behalf of his countrymen who have returned back to Judah and mm -hmm. are experiencing great hardship, um, yeah. returning from the exile. He's in mourning. Um, and I wonder why the delay? Hmm. Why was this being, it says, I was left there with the kings of Persia. Why was this being left with the kings of Persia? What purpose for the, the delay could there possibly be? And I only assume because Daniel was fasting and and uh, and in mourning mm. that God was at work accomplishing something still in Daniel mm. in the fasting and mourning, such that he even in the appearance of this terrifying vision of a man, mm. there was the man was delayed mm -hmm. in accomplishing his purposes. Mm -hmm. And I assume it's because now this is pure conjecture on my part, but. I assume there's a good reason for the delay and that God was accomplishing something in in Daniel's life. The greatest one of the greatest of men, a man greatly loved um mm. by God. Um absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the you know, there just to go back to that idea of the angels, you know, Hebrews um starts off talking a lot about Jesus being greater than the angels. Mhm. Mm it's always been a weird, uh, you know, for most of my Christian walk, that was a very strange way to start off what is otherwise a very profound and striking book. Because growing up in Birmingham, Alabama, I never really thought that Jesus wasn't greater than angels, you know, that that never really crossed my mind. And so it was like, okay, why, why does the author of Hebrews belabor this? And, you know, angel is kind of a loaded word for us because of uh, Hallmark and whatnot. Mm -hmm. uh, but angels really just means ministers or messengers. Yeah. So sort of God's henchmen in a sense. And what the author of Hebrews is really trying to push out the gate is that Jesus is not just another one of those, just sent from God, doing God's bidding, but that it's God himself who's come as, as a priest, as a king, as a sacrifice, mm -hmm. and that he died and rose, raised us with him. And the author of Hebrews says that because one greater than the angels died for us once for all time, making a perfect sacrifice, now we can come to God's throne fully expecting grace and help. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Daniel didn't know that. He didn't know Jesus. He didn't have a, a grasp on the gospel, but this is what God is working out, you know, through the days of Daniel and long after. And it builds onto that motif of in Daniel, God is not, he doesn't speak or work in the ways that we would expect. He doesn't speak up when the temple is being raided, but you know, he, he speaks 
to Nebuchadnezzar in his bedchambers. There's this really mysterious way that God works. And yet Daniel is comforted here to rest in the love of God. And mm-hmm. so as we as new covenant believers, how much more can we rest in the love of God and the confidence of knowing God and that we've been raised with Jesus who is greater than this angel. He's greater than these forces. And that's the confidence that we've been granted. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, and that confidence we see in verse 19, I'm just reading as you're speaking that, um, what this man says to Daniel, oh man, greatly loved, which he says twice now. So he's, he said that, mm-hmm. repeated this to emphasize it. Fear not, peace be with you. Be strong and of good courage. So this is an echo of the language that was used mm-hmm. um, with Joshua when they were entering the promised land. Yeah. It's, a, it's a command that um, is given to God's people throughout the generations. And it mm-hmm. is a call for, for courage, for hope, for confidence. Mm-hmm in the provision and protection of God. And so, um, yeah, at the end of this chapter, I look forward to unpacking what comes next because we absolutely get unfolded before us. Absolutely. Some very, uh, some, some wild ideas that, uh, about the end of the ends of days. Yeah. Well, a a delectable cliffhanger (laughs) from Jason Byers today. And you know what that means? We will see you tomorrow on our daily rhythm. Thanks for listening to Our Daily Rhythm. I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ Covenant, and Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404-465-1737. Or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for Our Daily Rhythm.